Greetings, everyone. Uh, we are here What's together up, for lunch hour with Renault. Um, we're in a bit of a different setting today. Indeed. Um, because we have summarily rearranged the church uh, to we figure have. out how to do this whole thing online. Kind and of so, like we've all rearranged our entire lives and the entire planet. Yeah. I'm sure so, everyone who is with us today. Rearrangement is now like the order of the day. It is, it so. is what we're doing right now. And so... Um, if you are spending time with us today, I just want to say welcome to you. Um, if you're checking this out on our podcast, uh, we hope that this is going to be a beneficial conversation. We've kind of taken some time to uh, think through uh, everything that's going on in our world and um, and kind of relate it to uh, lunch hour with Renault. Uh, just kind of like, hey, what what would it be like to uh, sit down and think through everything that's going on over lunch with Renault? Um, you know, last week we talked about, um, or, or I guess the last time we met um, was uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the coronavirus and the power of fear. And we talked about living um, from a perspective um, that God has. Um, if I seem distracted, it's because I am. It's okay. I'm editing a picture of some rearrangement of my life today. Hope is out on the patio. Um, putting towels out by the swimming pool, doing her schoolwork. Okay. She's got a cat laying next to her, and it's just. And I, when we said we're rearranging our entire lives, I'm like, this is the perfect picture. That's so I was going to throw it on Facebook, but it's not going fast enough, so I'm not going to do that now. I will do that at the end of our Facebook Live, and then you can see it on my Facebook because Joel seemed very serious about what we were talking about, and I was very distracted. So, welcome to life in the Corona world. Yes, man. indeed. So, sorry. So no, fear. It was a. It, that was last week, and you were saying. Yeah. So and just, I'm here. Yeah, that's all good. <laughs> So last week we talked through kind of, uh, man, you know, how do we approach uh, all that's going on around yeah, us? Um, for sure. This week we're going to kind of shift a little bit of gears and not so much uh, talk through kind of the internal realities of what's going on in our hearts and in our minds in terms of yeah, fear. To some, to some extent, in terms of fear, for sure. Um, but more so, okay, how do we begin to to really process this with yeah. others in yeah. a way that's helpful? That's right, right. because you know. Um, Last last week, when uh, was it last week or the week before? It was two weeks ago. Two weeks you ago. were on vacation. Two weeks ago, yeah. you know, we were just entering this space. There's a lot of a lot of uncertainty, like there still is, but a different kind of uncertainty. And just, it's amazing to think how much has changed oh my gosh. since our last conversation. So much has right? changed. And so we have two weeks ago to kind of process fear. And honestly, that conversation from two weeks ago still applies equally today as it did two weeks ago. 100%. So that is an ongoing thing. What I've, what I've noticed over the last, especially week, but I would say even two weeks, is as I've watched social media, and, and that's always my interest because it's the human interactions. The news is, is you know, information being poured out from whom, whomever's opinion or uh, reality is being poured out, but, but social media is the interactions. And so I love watching those because it so speaks a lot to our yeah, humanity. The reaction to the news, right? All of that. And so I've noticed very clearly that they are, as is always true in human relational experience, that we all have our particular feeling about something. And then we say that usually in years past, we would say it to a small group of people that we had relationship with. And so their reactions were measured by their relationship with us. Sure. That's why I think a lot of the typical like society we live in now where conflict feels so visceral and so constant in every little thing you say, there's gonna be comments, is because we now 
say things in spaces where we don't have relational equity in history. We put it out to the world and then whomever is in our friend group and we call them, uh, Facebook called them friends. Right. The right. 4,200 people that are on your friend list, very few of them do you actually have ongoing uh, sort of relational dynamics. So we, 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 we share our, our, our feelings and then it's been fascinating for me to watch what comes after that. And I think what I've experienced a lot is that there's a ton of, we'll call it playing devil's advocate, right? Somebody says one thing mm -hmm. and then immediately trying to be as nice as we can, we are immediately pushing the other side of the coin. Then there is push back and then it turns into a conversation back and forth and you can feel the, the tension, the tension kind of rising. And it's, mm -hmm. it's very interesting to me because yesterday, uh, as many of you probably know, maybe all of you, uh, the mayor put out a directive, um, that said, we, you know, we're going to, we're going to stay home now until April 9th, I think. So and this is the mayor of the city of Orlando, yes. Buddy Dyer, who Buddy, did that. Right? Uh, actually not Buddy Dyer anymore. So it was, well, yeah, it was Buddy, Buddy, Buddy Dyer, Dyer is the mayor. Yes. He, he did it in conjunction with Jerry Dennis, that's right. who is the, um, he is the mayor of Orange County. I believe that's how it works. Anyways, bottom line is the directive went out, right? And um, it's a stay at home order now. And so watching then what happened was very interesting mm -hmm. because immediately as that little block from the Orlando Sentinel got posted with the things, the, the, the comments. And so I, I saw a lot, a lot of comments with yeah. people like, you know, finally, somebody's thinking, finally, somebody's acting. Finally, finally, the government is realizing life over money. Uh, that statement was made multiple times. Right. Um, finally, somebody is acting in the best interest of humanity. Uh, finally, somebody was is doing that. So I, 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 a lot of that came out. And sure. So this real sense of while everybody in the world is um, taking action and, and, and moving forward, it seems in our cultural context, uh, because of some of the leadership we have in place and, and Trump's particular bent, right? There is this sense like our leadership is trying to not act in the best interest of humanity because of the economy. And so it was just really good to kind of see people finally go, man, finally somebody's doing what's right. So if you're watching Facebook Live now, there may be some of you that are going, like, are you stating opinion right now? Or are you like just saying what you saw on social media? Because I saw something else on social media too. Um, I saw a number of posts on social media like, are these people not thinking? Like, uh, are we are we putting the future well-being of humanity on the line for a temporal solution that isn't even a solution? Are we going to sink the economy for something that's going to do nothing to this virus anyway? Uh, guys, the virus is here to stay. It's going to cycle through. Uh, we are we are doing political things right now to make everyone feel better at the cost of not only our economy, but a boatload of people that work paycheck for paycheck that will now not have food on their tables or ability to do stuff. What are we thinking? So I saw a lot of frustration, uh, a lot of anger toward the idea that we are costing people their well-being and future lives for the sake of slowing a virus down that we are not going to get to slow down. And again, you, and now there's, a, and, and I can almost feel it on Facebook Live. Can you feel it? Like you all are wondering like, which is your opinion? What are you saying? Because you feel the emotion. As sure. soon as someone yeah. says anything right now, your automatic response is if you agree with them, it's this. 
Yeah. Finally, somebody's saying it. Or your response is, you're not thinking this through. You're seeing wrongly. And then we come in. And the reality is, is the stakes are really high stakes on, really on either side of that. On both point. sides. And, and it's not that there's only two opinions out no, there. There's no, no. multiple opinions yeah. out there, but those are the two polarizing it, opinions. And, and with every like new step the government or with every new step that businesses or with every new step that schools or with every new step that the church takes, mm-hmm. uh, there is uh, a reaction to that. Yep. And then there's dialogue that comes from that. Yep. And so then where does it That's right. And so what ends up happening is I think what I'm what I'm realizing again, and this has got very little to do with the current context of this movement of the virus, and much more to do with where we've been as a society for a, a while now, because you combine social media spaces, what I talked about the no, no relational history that you combine a political system that is very hostile in its experience, very polarized, very polarized in its experience. Yeah. And a people, a nation, just as polarized that we've been in for a while now, yeah. in a long time, and and you combine that then with a virus that has massive impact, one way or the other, right? No matter what you do. So so you, by definition, it's it's interesting to me that the impact of this virus moving globally in this pandemic, the impact is polarizing. Like it's kind of funny. It's yeah. almost like the virus is a political leader or a mm. political party or a political reality a political issue and a political issue and it has created two new camps two new worlds right so it's really just playing right into this reality we've been so used to it's very interesting to notice though that there are generally two camps in terms of what we think we should do with that virus and those two camps generally fall on two political sides of the coin yep. right it's very interesting so that's not the virus's fault yeah the virus That's, is. The virus is a thing. That is how we deal with things. Right. That is how we deal with situations. That is how we deal with issues now. Any issue comes to the table. And I think we have begun to lose, as a people, the desire or ability to listen mm. with a desire or a, a, a motive to understand mm-hmm. and then to speak with a desire to be understood not to be right, but to be understood. Mm-hmm. So we have moved from to be understood to being right. Mm-hmm. So everything I'm listening that you're saying, I'm calculating, is this right or is this wrong? Mm-hmm. And if it's right, I'm with you. And yeah. if it's wrong, I am against you. Mm-hmm. Or at a minimum, I'm bringing to the table what you're not thinking. Mm-hmm. So what it feels like to you is that I am disagreeing with you, number one, which I am. In, but but that I am annoyed or I am um, I am trying to fix what you feel. Uh, you, you feel that? Uh, you feel wrongly. You think wrongly. Let me fix it for you mm-hmm. as nicely as I can. And sure. then it goes the other way around. So now we have this space where, uh, oddly enough, for many of us saying anything, not just in social media, in any conversation, it's like we, we walk in tiptoeing because we're so afraid that it, whatever we say, depending on who we're with, sure. it's going to turn into that. So I've been in several uh, Zoom calls lately. That's been kind of fun because even in the Zoom calls with people that are my friends and my team, the elder teams, the staff teams, the, someone will say something that's a little bit more passionate, like they're feeling something. And then the immediate response from two or three people 
will not be, man, I, I hear you. I can feel it's yes, there's truth to that. But what you need to remember is that mm-hmm. and I can feel it like uh, deflate, deflate. What you said was wrong. And here's right. And then it's a, I didn't mean it that way. And then it's like, no, no, I know that, but I just, but yeah, but you, and then the conversation dies down and we're like, let's go back to talking about soup and some juice because that might be. So the question I've been wondering about is how do we get back to a place in this environment where we can enter into this conversation with a sense of compassion toward one another and the things that are weighty, because here's Mm -hmm. the reality. Is it weighty to many of us that there is a pandemic that is a virus that is moving, causing a pandemic, and this virus does have legitimate um, impact physically to the point of significant impact on people in our culture, and more importantly than people in our culture, family members and friends of mine, right? Mm -hmm. And so, when we watch the scientific side and those of us that are, are watching that and may, maybe our impact economically isn't as large, we don't own a business or whatever, or maybe we do, but we also have family members. We are personally wrestling with which is more sure. important, yeah. but we feel that. Right. And I would say if we all stopped for a second, took a breath and said, do we all agree that many, if not all people, feel a little bit of concern, anxiety, and fear toward what this pandemic means? I would I say we'd all say, yeah, of course, even I do. Right? I mean, I'm a, I'm a bit concerned, right? I'm more concerned about X versus Y. So then you've got the other side, right? Now you've got the people that are very concerned about future and business because it is food on a table. It is a house that you can't pay the mortgage or rent on. It is then the ongoing unraveling impact of the entirety of an economy coming down and people understand what that means. And so there's those that are very concerned. Yeah, on the one hand, you have people who are losing loved ones, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, on the other hand, you have people who are losing legitimate like income, provision, future. I mean, there is yes. there is cost yes. on either side of this. And point. so what we do is we say, are you saying income, future and stuff is more important, more than, important. than life? Mm-hmm. And then the other side is saying, Lots of people die of lots of things every day, Mm -hmm. and I'm not minimizing this at all. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying you're making it sound like everyone's dying, but but so this is boom, boom, boom. Because what I'm feeling is when I'm talking to another person, if they are on my side, we can talk. If they are not on my side, we can fight. Those are our two options. We have the same opinion, we can talk. We have opposing opinions, we're going to fight. Fight nice, but fight. What if there was another way? A third option where I could be in conversation with someone of the same opinion as me. And because the effort in conversation is to have a broad understanding of what's going on with those around us and what could be going on, maybe our conversation shifts a little bit from, yeah, we we got this to, yes, we both agree. Boy, let's also add into our conversation, what is the other side, not from a how stupid are they, because that's what we tend to do when yeah, we agree. Absolutely. We talk, and when we talk about the other opinion, since there's no one else around and we can't offend anybody, our talk is hostile toward the other camp, right? For sure. Uh, the, those idiots, that they, they just don't see rightly. Or when we are opposed to each other. What if when we are of the same opinion, when we speak of the other side, we speak with understanding and compassion? Mm. Man, I, I know for me, it's not quite the same because I kind of see it this way, but I bet for a lot of people, 
this must be a heavy thing. And I wonder how I can make sure that when I'm communicating where I stand on either side of this, that I communicate in a way that is compassionate to what real people are really feeling and understanding on the other side and vice versa. Instead of me looking for the negative reason why you're believing what you're believing. Right. So uh, this has been what I've been wrestling with. How do we enter these spaces? And it turns out actually that as usual, uh, God went, this isn't just about a six week period where there's a virus on planet earth traveling around. This is true every day of your life with every relationship you have. And so James uh, was actually, um, James, the half-brother of Jesus, was actually leading the church in Jerusalem at the time that the disciples were carrying the gospel around the world. The gospel was just starting to move. Uh, they had been persecuted in Jerusalem and scattered out. And as they scattered out into these different spaces, uh, Peter was arrested. James, the disciple of Jesus, had his head chopped off by Herod in an incident that occurred. And the church was really feeling very uneasy, very shaken, uh, very much like, does, is God here? Does God win? What is this gospel thing? Is it going to cost us our lives? Well, all that. I mean, in many ways, another circumstance that might, uh, from a communal standpoint, be what we're feeling now, just unsettled, uneasy. I, I, I was talking to somebody yesterday that said, you know, that they just feel unsettled and weird. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. this feels unsettled and weird. I mean, it just yeah. does. Yeah. So James gets ready to write a letter from Jerusalem, which was the epicenter of the church emerging at that time. He is the leader of that church. So everyone's looking to James to say, what do we, what do we do, man? And James sits down and the Holy Spirit inspires James to write the very first declaration out to the church, right? Hey church, let me, let me share some things with you. And he starts out just so beautifully after he says to the 12 tribes scattered greetings. And he goes like this, James one, two. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that it is the testing of your faith that develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the context of the letter is very clear. Yeah. You're in an unsettled, weird, tumultuous space. Let's start here. When you're in those spaces, don't fear. So we talked about that two weeks ago, right? right, right. Then he goes into the, right after that, the idea of wisdom, how we ask for wisdom, what wisdom is, and when we do ask for wisdom, believe God's way, not our own, and he goes into that, otherwise you're tossed to and fro. So again, there, he's speaking about a context of you being tossed to and fro. The circumstances are insane, right? And yeah. then, then he says this, and, and I find it fascinating that of all the topics that he's gonna write about in this incredible letter, that in the very first chapter, um, in the very first few paragraphs, after he's basically said, trials, and God's wisdom, which makes the most sense that you would speak of in the middle of a trial, he says this. Uh, blessed is the man who stands steadfast under trials. When people are tempted, don't be enticed. So he's, I mean, it's all making so much sense. And, and, then, and then he says this, 19. verse 19. Yeah. Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let every person... Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For anger, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So I, I, as I think back now to James writing this letter and the power of the Holy Spirit inspiring him, isn't it funny that when we are in turmoil, 
And when circumstances cause us to feel uneasy and cause us to feel um, stuck, that first fear comes. And so we're like, uh, what's this all about? Is God here? And James says, consider it joy because you know what God is doing. Then it's, what do I do with these circumstances? Confusion is our next reality. Right. And he goes, ask God for wisdom. Yeah. He'll give yeah. it to you. Then usually it's temptation to behave in a way other than what we would usually do find a way because out. we want to find a way out. He right. says, don't be tempted or lured into things that aren't stable or aren't yours. So that all makes sense. And then it makes perfect sense to me now that James would, the very next thing he would say is now, now boys and girls gather up. We, we're going we're gonna to be real, real quick to listen to each other. Mm. We're going to be real slow to speak. And we're going to be real slow to anger. Why would you say that? Because right after fear, confusion, and temptation comes opinion, right? Right. I think comes, okay, I've now got a handle on what I think yeah. needs to be done, what I think the solution is, what I think, and I'm going to bring it to your table. And if you don't think that, then, then you're crazy. And I'm going to fight you. And I'm going to, I'm going to, uh. now there's nothing wrong with extending opinion and being passionate about it, but we start getting angry. That's what he said. We speak fast. We listen slow. And what he really means by that is not that you, that you listen slowly, it's that you don't listen. Right. That you are slow to try and understand and fast to try to be understood. Right. And that when you're not understood, because you're not really wanting to understand anyways, then you get angry yeah. and then you begin to behave out of that frustration and, and here's what he says that will never lead to gospel beauty lead to the glorification of jesus lead to the righteousness of god mm. so what an incredible mandate for us hey everybody slow down slow down i know there's a lot of opinions flying around and you have one and you have one strongly because this is a life and death issue whether you're talking economically or physically right so these are strong opinions with real consequences what if we all took a step back and said, I'm going to try to understand why my friends who have that opinion fear that so that I can speak into their life and say, I'm sorry that it feels so heavy. I'm sorry that you're afraid of not having a paycheck. I'm sorry. Or I'm, man, I'm so sorry to hear that you have parents that are older and or that you are uh, afraid being 32, that you just heard somebody died that was 32 in Wisconsin. So it's not just a you're afraid because you know somebody that's older, or you're afraid because it's, I, I get it. This is a big deal, and it, and it feels like a big deal. So how do we do that, you know? Yeah, and I think when you're, instead of quick to listen, you're, um, you know, slow to listen, and, and instead of slow to speak, you're quick to speak, and instead of slow to get angry, you're quick to get angry, it puts you in a position where, you know, as these opinions unfold, as they come out, you can't actually... You can't actually even process them because yep. your opinion has been formed through the process of here's the trial. Okay. I've got some fears around this trial. So in order to quell those fears, I'm going to start to form opinions. Yep. Right. Yep. And, um, and, and those opinions come sometimes with some confusion, some sometimes with some temptation. Yep. But at the end of the day, our opinion becomes solidified and then what we don't do a good job of in American culture is be able to take take the time to say, okay, my opinion can exist and be preserved while still understanding someone else's mm -hmm. experience. Yep. And so so that that yep. Yep. that feeling of, man, this is um, a massive virus with some massive 
complications, and this is uh, very dangerous for people who will contract this virus. That opinion is true and can be true. And, and I think sometimes we think, okay, well, if I acknowledge someone else's opinion, yep. um, that man, uh, this is going to massively slow down and bring business to a halt. People are going to lose jobs. People are going to lose the ability to provide. Schools are being canceled. This is causing massive stress. The loneliness from isolation yep. is real. All of those things, it, it's just, it's this concept of like, if uh, my opinion is true, then your experience cannot be. That's right. And that's, first of all, not the case, right? It's not the case at all. But even if it were the case, James gives us this beautiful picture of what it looks like to bear with other people and yep. to listen to other people's yep. opinions, to listen to other people's experience so that we can be gracious, so that we can be kind, so that we can be yep. compassionate. And and, yep. Yep. and then we were able to walk through this trial in a way that provides the opportunity for people to see who God is in the midst of it all. When I say, man, this virus is really serious, man, the economic impact is really serious, yep. man, the fears on both sides of the coin are super real, yep. then I, I get I get the opportunity to That's live in right. harmony That's right. and to show That's who right. God is and in the midst of a really, really rough situation. And it doesn't mean, like you said, Joel, it doesn't mean I don't hold an opinion then. And right. it doesn't mean by me acknowledging legitimately that your opinion or experience of this is very much a big deal. I'm not minimizing mine. Right. I think that's what we've been doing all along this. The second I let you say, you know, I'm just really, really concerned about the economic impact. I, if I don't correct that with, yeah, but aren't you concerned about lives? Right. Then I am somehow not passionate or somehow I am advocating your side. Now, here's the thing. When it's a moral issue of actual right and wrong or actual sin or not sin, right? Right. That's a different category. Yeah, we're not, we're not advocating. There's not an opinion then insofar as if we are clear, you know, I just, I was mad with that person, so I killed him. Right. We're not, we're not like, advocating okay. for like moral relativism yeah. and, and but, saying that everyone's opinion is true. That's okay. not what, but what we are saying is this. There are many cases in life like this one where two things are simultaneously true. They're just different levels. One, the virus is serious, it is a pandemic, and it is moving across the globe faster than most that we've ever seen. The scientists are not making it up. There is not a conspiracy of people, as every, I'm sure someone's like, yes, there is, but let's, yeah. there's not, this is a real virus. Real people have died from this, and a lot of them. The stuff that happened in Italy is real, in France is real, in China is real, in America is real. I mean, this is real. So there is real reality to that. And then the economic impact globally is real and it is going to have ongoing real impact to real lives in real ways, right? It already so is. And those two are to. both yeah. really true. Yeah. What we're fussing about is which one matters the most. Right. And what we need to start doing with each other is say, hold on, they both are true and they both matter. Right. I think that this one or this one matters more. So if we have to choose between them, let's choose that one. Well, I think in this case, this one matters more. Okay, fair enough. Do we both agree that both matter? Yes. So let's start there and then let's have conversation about learning to understand why this particular one is the one that matters. Because I'll tell you something, what I have discovered is every person I've talked to, when they hold to one a little higher than the other, it is because 
the one that most significantly and most obviously has direct impact on the people they care about and on themselves in terms of how that plays, they are able to say, as we all do, the other side of this is hard. I get it. But it's not going to impact all of us the same as this one. It's which one's going to impact us worse. And the truth is, nobody can know right now. Mm -hmm. They're both going to be big. So let's walk into this, as James said, to be people on, on social media and people in person, to be quick to listen. So when somebody's talking, so for example, somebody says, you know, I'm just, I just can't believe that they are considering shutting everything down. Do you have any idea what this is going to do to the restaurant industry and the, and the workforce and the amount of people being laid off? Like the impact is going to be massive and it's tragic. So our response, well, I hear you, but you have to understand that. It, what, what about this? What if instead we do this? Man, I, I totally hear that. And it is going to be that hard. And I am going to be praying as I'm sure you are for those people. And I, can't imagine what it must feel like for you and for those that you know as you consider this impact. If there's any way that I can pray for you in that, I'd love to. No but. No like, but, but, but after I said, just there, I'm with you now. We're having a conversation. Okay, now I can then say, you know, I, I am feeling particularly anxious about or particularly concerned for or particularly um, sad for and I fill in my blank in this. And then the families that have lost loved ones to this thing. And then that person's like, man, that, I, I hear you. I, I want, do you know anyone that, yeah, yeah, a friend of mine said, wow, let me, can we pray for your friend right now? We just had one of our elders. Um, some of his family members are medical um, professionals in Brazil. And he sent us a text and he's like, they're both um, working in this thing furiously. And both of them are symptomatic in some stuff. We're not sure if it's that or not. Just pray, pray for them. I mean, I want to pray for that. I want to get behind that. I want to feel for that. I don't want to say, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that, that's the cost of the medical industry right now. I'm just glad they haven't shut everything down in Brazil yet. I mean, I don't know if they have or not. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I want to be there. So, so this is in any part of life, in any part of life where we are dealing with other humans, I think what this boils down to is let's take this opportunity, not only now during this season of a pandemic, but in the seasons moving forward, to have conversations. And when we have conversations, instead of behaving like our culture often does, polarizing, because we feel the only way to make sure people know that we have an opinion is by making sure that we fix everybody else's or at least stake ours with passion. What if we say, what I'm really interested in is understanding mm. where you're coming from. So um, Kim Myers says a really good point. Uh, or actually, this is Kim Shu. Um, Myers, I guess your maiden name. So Kim Shu says, uh, uh, yes, Joel, exactly in terms of responding to others' opinions, the other piece is being open-minded enough to have our opinions changed by new information mm -hmm. or another's experience versus doubling down, mm -hmm. um, which mm -hmm. is absolutely right. And, and I agree with that, Kim. And the reality is, is um, you can't do that if you're not listening. That, you can't do that if you're not listening. It's impossible. It's exactly. Right? And right. so being quick to listen is the first step to that, yeah. um, which is great. A couple other people are jumping in, so I'd love to yeah. maybe take a little bit of time with this. Um, so, okay. Uh, let me go with... Um, here. Here's a good one. 
So Alan says, why are some Christians going against science and the thought that they could be killing others with this horrid virus? Reverend Tony Spell, having his church, Life Tabernacle Church, has 1,800 gathering this past weekend. Jerry Falwell Jr. is calling students back to Liberty University. Um, so uh, the question there is pretty big, right? Okay. Yep. Um, and and so we have to. I think I think the 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 tension, the trick, yep. is recognizing. Yeah, there are a lot of opinions, and there are um, two major kind of sides of this coin. And we want to be understanding of that other side. At some point, some decisions actually do get made. Yeah. And those decisions can affect yeah. lives on, and, on, and here's on the, one side of the country right. or the other. That's right. And here's the other issue with that. And I, I love the question because it is so much a real part of what this adds. It's, it's kind of actually a third category for me. So we've been talking in the category of uh, two people that have differing thoughts on which is more serious mm -hmm. and what how we make decisions. And then, of course, that impacts how we how we feel about the decisions made by our leaders. There is this other category, and, and it's actually two categories, and I would speak to both of them because those two particular references speak to both of these. Mm -hmm. The first is the pastor that did the 1800 church and all that. So, so you can always have an, in every uh, situation, in every cultural issue, whatever, you're going to have extremists in that usually on both ends of the coin, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes those extremists, the way that they express their opinion is unhealthy and it is just for the sake of insanity. And usually that plays out in the religious spaces or these very like passion spaces. And then the media does feed off of that. So yeah. of the, so, so for example, something like that, I, that church story's gone around and it's, it, it's been fascinating to watch the conversation. Why are churches doing this? Like, Hold on, they, they may or may not be, but we can't make that assessment from this article. A church in one place with a guy that's got media attention and saw his church go from to 1800 real quick doing this. I disagree with his assessment and his decision to do that 100%. And I think he's like a lot of times they're just doing craziness. There's a category. I, I love Madagascar, um, the movies. And there's three penguins in Madagascar. And uh, the very first Madagascar movie... The three penguins are digging a hole to escape from the zoo. And these tourists are walking by looking at them and the three of them are standing in front of the hole and the one penguin says to the other penguin, just smile and wave, boys, just smile and wave. It's just like, <laughs> and, and I keep that quote in my head because there's a category of people that I've just got to kind of go, oh, goodness gracious. Mm -hmm. Like, like you live in such an extreme space and the media loves finding those and feeding off those. That I, I, that category... I don't have conversations in those categories because there's no open-mindedness to anything there. That's that's a different category for me than the conversations we have that get heated because of this. The other thing is the Jerry the Jerry Falwell one. Mm -hmm. This is zero opinion. It just happens to be some knowledge I have, right? Yeah, I agree. I'm sure uh, in the personality scales, he's more of a fighter personality. I, I don't know. I don't know if I like him or don't like him because I don't know him at all. Mm -hmm. Zero. Yeah. Um, but in a world that is already looking for all sorts of hostile things, when people say things that are um, that stir the pot, especially when they're leaders, we grab a hold of those things and they run for a while even when they're long past. So for example, that article that came out that I just saw running around Facebook right now, like he's calling students back. My daughter goes to Liberty, right? So I'm actually flying up on Monday 
to drive back down with her. She's an RA. So what they've actually communicated to the students is there are some programs that like nursing and things that we, we need and you really doing them online you can at home if you want, but the labs and stuff that will still go on here, they're available. We're going to do them in some new ways. And like, I'm telling you what was communicated to my, to my student. This isn't Jerry. This is just what's actually being communicated. You can stay, you can go. If you stay, here are the implications and here's what you need to be as parameters. So actually, to be completely honest, I've watched the re reality of how it's communicated to the student body. Like, like my daughter's coming home because there's no one on campus. Everyone's left, right? That's happened over the last two weeks. Now, two weeks ago when that all that stuff was happening, he was saying, well, this is stupid. That was two weeks ago and my daughter was going, our, our guy's not going to let, let us out. But then he actually did. And they actually are released and they actually are. So I share that to say this, it's got nothing to do with Jerry. It's got to do with this. The other downside of social media is that stuff pops onto the stream like it happened three seconds ago mm -hmm. and it's two weeks old. Right. And, and a lot has changed. It was pulled yeah. from a space. And, and I'm not saying this is, I'm saying we all need to be super careful. That's, this. The, that's the uh, quick to listen, and slow to exactly. speak, slow to like, get angry. Go piece, in right? with this, with this, with, with perhaps this starting point. I probably don't know everything about this situation. And if I probably did, I might actually have a very different feel. I might still disagree with whatever the it is, decision. but I may have a very different feel. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I'm gonna say this, again, this is just an example, because you know, even I've gotta be careful what comes up. That pastor that had those 1800 people meet, so I have an opinion about that personality and, and I think it's dumb or whatever. But, I wonder, I just wonder if I could have a cup of coffee with him, sure. sit down and say, could you unpack for me? What the heck were you thinking? I might get what I think I'll expect. Well, the stupid government's not going to stop it. And then I'll just go, right? Mm. Thank you. And I'll leave with an opinion that stands where it stands now. But what if I sit down? And we start talking. And as we talk, I realize there's a whole different heart going on here. My point is, I don't know. So I try to be very careful with things outside of my relational network of just like making giant judgment calls about a group or a thing because of that. So this, that's that third category. There's us talking. Let's talk nice. Let's listen hard. And then there's the, I don't know, but that seems crazy, but I can have an opinion about it, but I've got to smile and wave to a certain extent mm -hmm. until I, I know more or see more. Yeah. So, yeah, that's interesting. Very interesting. Okay, so let's see here. Um, Just remember, all the blogs still want us to read them, and we're not going to read blogs that aren't controversial in a culture like ours. Yeah, no so doubt. They're no going to constantly find that. No doubt. So Leslie is asking, um, is it possible for either of you to repeat through the structure you out outlined from James? So trials is period. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so you're in a trial. Right? Yeah. or in circumstances that feel unsettled or uneasy or weird or crazy, right? So what does James say? First of all, don't fret about that these trials are outside of God's plan. Consider the trial joy. Why? Because it is joyful and fun. No, no, it's not. Right. Because you know, see, I love, you know what God is doing. He's not causing the trial. That's planet sin, planet death. But what he's going to do with what planet sin and planet death intends for you is instead of it affecting your death, it's going to affect your life. So he actually literally says that trials refine faith, 
developing perseverance, which finishes its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. So first James just says, remember, God is up to awesome stuff in every circumstance because he loves you. So don't fear. Then you don't know what to do, do you? No. Okay. Ask God for wisdom because he will give it to you. But when he does, put it into practice because if you don't put it into practice, you'll go to and fro like the way. So here's an example. How do we handle this situation? Be slow to speak, slow to become angry, and quick to listen. Well, you can either put that into practice or you can't. It's up to you. If you do, it's going to lead to far greater harmony and uh, human connection. If you don't, it's going to lead to hostility and anger and other stuff. Okay, so there he is. God's going to give you wisdom. Put it into practice. So don't fear. If you need wisdom, ask. When you're going to get tempted, don't be tempted. Trust God. Because what he understands is in trials, it's when we stop thinking and we start clawing for other things and trying to or behaving in ways we don't. Or Don't be tempted. You are stressed. I get it. But don't let that drive you. And then the fourth one. Now, in dealing with each other, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For the anger of man does not lead to the righteousness of God. Wow, what a beautiful fourth step. And after that, he goes into kind of the rest of life. But he kind of starts there. You put those things into practice. Don't fear. Ask for wisdom. Follow that wisdom. Don't be tempted to run to other things and deal with each other kindly. And the trial's impact will be minimal. Actually, it will produce what it's it supposed to produce. It will produce what it's supposed to produce. Yeah. Your perseverance, which leads to your maturity, completeness, not lacking anything. God's wisdom, your kindness and relational connection, God's righteousness. Yeah, and that's a great wow. impact, right? That's a great impact. Very cool. So Kim Shu uh, also says, wouldn't you say it's a moral issue? Uh, so let's be quick to listen here. Uh, wouldn't you say it's a moral issue to say we should let older people die to save the economy? Um, otherwise, yes, both the health and economic concerns are legitimate and not in opposition to one another. So she's asking the question, hey, is this is this a black and white cut and dry? Mm-hmm. Is this a moral issue? Um, and, and I think, Kim, that's a great question. I think as followers of Jesus, we need to be asking those questions. Now, um, I wouldn't say it is 100% black and white or cut and dry. And I can tell you why not. Because if it were this, to save the economy, a bunch of our older people just need to die. Then I I, I would say we, we're in moral ground. That's 100% black and moral white. Ground. Right, right, now, right. some would say in this scenario, well, that is what we're saying. Let people out and... Uh, those people will just die, let them die, and let the economy keep going. And then I would argue that's where there's a lot of, of differing opinions and grace. So when I'm talking to people, it's not. We know 100% that if we do this and we, and we keep everyone home, no one will die. A lot of people I've talked to, for example, have said to me, this is just an opinion from some medical people I know. Like, this virus is kind of here to stay. We're just trying to dull the curve. Uh, the the, uh, flatten the, curve. the flatten the curve because we don't want to overwhelm the system, but it has to run its course because it's not like that's getting developed herd immunity. And, and so there will be people that are going to die of this over a period of time. We're trying to make sure they don't all enter the hospitals at the same time because then there will be some that die because we just can't care for them properly. Mm-hmm. But one way or the other, so I'm I'm sharing that to say this. That I don't think the trouble is here that people on the economic side are saying, let them die. 
the economy matters more, or that the people on this side are saying, if we make the economy matter, then we're killing people. This virus is killing people. And what we're trying to say is, how can we slow it down? And the question out there, the real actual question is, can we and to what extent, right? Yeah, that's so, the real question. That's the and real I think question. There's, there's rhetoric around these that's questions, right. and, and I think um, that's where we can take a moral stance. So let, yeah. let me just jump into this. So Kim says, the reason why she's asking this is based on comments made by a Texas politician yesterday. He said, and this is Kim's quote, so I would need to actually find the, the quote, but I'll trust Kim's quote on this. He said that that older people will be willing to die to save the economy. Now, um, if, if that is the actual quote, and I don't know the quote, I'd have to look it up. Um, that is the kind of rhetoric that we don't need to be, uh, you know, real quick to listen to in, in that, in that is very easy for us to reject, to say, listen, we're, we're not saying, oh yeah, you know, we want to make sure the stock market's over a certain point. Um, you know, if it, if it's, if it's under 20,000, let's just sacrifice some old people, you know, no way. Like, and if we line the old people up, they'll tell us. Hey, don't worry. We're more than willing to die, so you all can have prosperity. Right. Like, I'd like to find them. Right. Because I. Like, that's like, just insane. No, like, like, I mean, my my parents, my friends who totally. are older. I mean, yeah. no. And and frankly, young people, if you came to me and said, "Renato, okay, here here's the deal, man. Um, you have to choose between having more money in the future and stability, or struggling more, but your parents get to live on for now." I, I mean, that's if if I were no to brainer, say, right? well, if I were to say. Kill them. Kill them now. That's a moral issue. It's a huge moral issue. That's a real issue. moral yeah. issue. That's right? a problem. So um, I wouldn't even want to, but he, so my, my point is this. In rhetoric like that, I, I would agree. That kind of rhetoric smacks of a insensitivity and then a morality that gets called into question. Yeah, as followers of Jesus, yeah, we, you know, we are, um, because of the Imago Dei, and, yeah. and, and I mean, Christians have historically... Uh, have always fought for the sanctity of life. That's right. And That's so right. we as followers of Jesus should absolutely care about people's lives. The biggest question on the table is, are the solutions we're putting into action that are creating massive cost as necessary as we think, right? Now, that is an opinion that has two side, uh, a statement that has two opinions to it. Some would say, absolutely they're necessary. And some would say, they are not actually helping in the way they are. They're hurting more than they're helping. In other words, what we think they're helping, they're not helping. Now, again, the, the second I say that, there's two sides going, yes, that's right. They're hurting more than they're helping. Another, are you kidding me? The scientists have said this is the only way we save lives. Mm -hmm. Those are actually the opinions in which we reside. And so I would say, yes, it's a moral issue. If it is actually, we are clear on this. This is the only solution and we're not taking it to save some money, then yes, it's a moral issue. But many, many would say this solution, these decisions are not actually going to affect what we think they're affecting for a virus like this one. Again, I'm not stating which my opinion thing, is. Right. I'm just simply saying it's that's a very different statement then I, I don't care if people die. Yeah, because at, at some point we do have to recognize that the very difficult position that politicians are put in, in general, is to make tough choices about problems that exist that don't have a perfect, clear solution, right? That's right. And, um, and that's a tough place to be, right? It's a tough place to be when you think about 
all sorts of things like whether or not we should enter a war and soldiers dying in order to, you know, to see some outcome, right? Or, um, you know, what what uh, decisions need to be made about certain laws and spending and all that kind of stuff that very much impacts people's everyday lives. And we can differ in opinion on the decisions that should be made. Um, and I think at a certain point, we need to stand up and say, no, this is a clear, morally wrong, yep. evil decision yep. um, on one side of the corner right. or the other. And I don't think that, and so to answer your question, Kim, and, and I think you you know, because we've dialogued about this, but like Mosaic, we're taking this thing very seriously because we want to serve um, what the government is asking of us. It's not trampling in any way on our ability to love Jesus, yep. you know, to be followers of Jesus, to continue walking in faith. Uh, it makes community hard right now, but other than that, it's very it's very doable for us to say, okay, we're a church of thousands of people. We'll be happy not to gather for a time yep. in order to do everything we can to yep. flatten this curve and to work with yeah. officials and all of that. Right. So we're 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 obviously taking this very seriously and we care very very deeply. At the same time, we recognize that people in our church, right, people who are uh, followers of Jesus who go to this church that their businesses are struggling, that they're losing work, that this decision that has been made in order to flatten the curve has other devastating effects. And we ought to, our hearts ought to hurt for those people and with those people. It's like um, when when Paul says in the body of Christ, when one part suffers, yeah. the rest of us should suffer along with that. And so that ought to be Man, I am hurting for those who are worried about their family members, who are worried about the people who yeah. are uh, very, very um, vulnerable to this virus, uh, who are just worried in general about the effects of this virus. And at the same time, I'm mourning with those who are losing work. I'm mourning with those who are struggling financially. Um, you know, pe- people I and dear friends of mine, family members of mine, losing work, losing yeah. finances, and. That may come in my space as well. I mean, all of those things we have to just recognize. This is a big deal, um, and we have to love one another. And again, I think uh, from from the the opportunity, the the opportunity we have to be gracious toward each other, is that at least as of right now, because we do not have information that gives us black and white clarity, we can't. This is not a moral issue in terms of this opinion of where exactly we draw the line in the sand on what is safe and not safe for the spread of this virus. And here's what I mean by that. There are some that hold the opinion that the decisions we're making are unnecessary because we don't know that they're going to make any difference to this virus. And there's some that say they're very necessary because we know they'll make a massive difference to the virus. There's the two sides. Those are actually still opinions because we don't know enough. So if you could say to me, if a scientist could actually come out and say to me, If we all stayed home for two weeks or three weeks, I guarantee you no one will die. And this virus will go away forever and no one will ever die of it. And I said, the economy is going to suffer. That would be a moral choice, choice, right? Actual lives. But if someone says to me, we think that if we do this, it will slow this down. We don't know what that means. Lots of people, after we've done this for a couple months, may still die. We just don't know. There's so many unknowns. But the best we've got right now is to slow this thing down, is to all kind of distance. And then we start taking that distancing to certain spaces. It becomes an, a, a, an issue of, gosh, what is the, where is the line rightly? you got your extremists, wave, smile and wave. But for the rest of us, we just need to be 
really careful not to be angry toward each other because we have differing opinions on this. That's all. Hmm. All right. Um, it is 1257. Um, at the end of the day, here's, here's <laughs> the deal. I'm considering if we should do one more, but um, maybe but you can. Uh, I'm, so I'm good. What is it? So do we have do we have time to address the Chinese virus language um, from Ken? I think I'll I'll jump in on that. So um, so President Trump has been using the term the Chinese virus to describe the coronavirus or COVID nineteen. Um, you know when when a uh, a political leader uses terminology like that, usually it's not. Um, on accident, right? And we know that he's used that terminology multiple times on purpose. Um, we have a president uh, right now that uh, he is a person who is not afraid to share his opinion. And that's kind of been true of his presidency all the way through. Um, there are many people who absolutely love his policies and the way that he governs and all of that. There are many people uh, who absolutely hate, his who absolutely hate, hate the, the policies and hate the way that he governs. I have my opinions on the presidency of Donald Trump, and I also know that God is sovereign over all things. So I know my responsibility is to pray for our president and to pray for the government and to pray for the nation um, and to pay taxes, and, and that is biblically my sure. responsibility. Um, but I also think it's helpful to recognize that there are certain things that, that leaders and people can say that are not helpful. Um, I think that as a whole, I, I think it's always better uh, to paint uh, people, especially whole races of people, in a positive light, not in a negative light. Um, I think to call this a Chinese virus, um, it, uh, in, maybe in President, uh, President Trump's mind, um, it is accurate in the sense that the virus seems to have originated in China. Um, I think for many people, um, that is rhetoric that's not helpful because it seems to place blame on a people group for a virus that started, um, which is not helpful. Um, and I think people who are of Chinese descent in the United States have taken offense to that. And I think I can understand that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, would, I would say this. Uh, First and foremost, like it's completely unhelpful and inappropriate to to say that it, it it has no, especially in our global cultural context where we already struggle with enough um, uh, hostility between nations and races. Uh, totally. it, it's it's just it's just a, a to me a, so unnecessary and so inappropriate. But but here's what I, here's what I know um, that we um, we we. We have to, as, as people, as Christ followers, when anyone in our midst, our leaders, our Christian leaders, our pastor, I mean, Paul would say this, test what they say, check, check and if it's not appropriate or it's incorrect, and then at least speak up and, and say that, that that's not okay. So I don't have to hate one of my leaders or write off one of my leaders. I'm not talking about Trump right now. This is not a Trump statement because they say something inappropriate, but I also don't have to defend inappropriate things they say to show that I support them. Mm -hmm. And so what I try to do is I try to say, I don't have to agree with stupid stuff that some leader says to prove or to show that I'm actually behind them. I can be behind them as a leader 
And when they say stupid stuff, I can still say, you know, that's stupid. Or that, I use stupid broadly. You know, that's, in, that's inappropriate. inappropriate. That's, yeah. that's not helpful. So I would say this. This whole Chinese virus thing, it's inappropriate and not helpful. I, I don't even understand. Well, I, I do understand. And I don't like what I think I understand as to why it's been thrown around. Whatever the reasoning behind it, it makes no sense. We have a name for this thing. And it's a global virus. And it makes no difference where it originated from. And so the fact that that happened, it just, it does disappoint me, honestly, that in a time where so much is going on that we need all of us to be together, things are dropped into this that are distracting yeah. and damaging for no reason. It's politicizing. It's politicizing. And it, it is, yeah. it, it's so sad to me. But yeah, it shouldn't happen. And I don't think it's a Chinese virus. I think it's COVID-19. Right. And it's a virus that's moving around the globe. So Yeah. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, as followers of Jesus, we need to be champions of every race that God creates yes. because yes. God created all of the races of human beings yes. that, that we all together make up his image. Um, and we see a picture in heaven of every yes. tribe, every tongue, every nation worshiping Jesus at the throne. And so we need to be excited about yes. that. So yes. anything that... that uh, tends to demean or, or tear down uh, the, the distinctives of anyone's race, um, we should reject that. And so um, I, I think that that's not a term that we should gravitate towards as followers of Jesus. And I would say this, if any people that we know that know Jesus and love Jesus are using that terminology, I think we can graciously say to them, hey, just so you know, that's not helpful terminology. It's not appropriate terminology. This is a virus that's traveling the globe. It started somewhere. Every virus starts somewhere. And just because it started in one nation doesn't make it that nation's virus. I think it's necessary and appropriate that we say that to each other. But in a way that is not quick to anger or quick to speak, but to listen, understand, and then say, hey, I, I really think that's something that probably you need to rethink yeah. in terms of how you state that. So yeah, those are thoughts. Great. Bottom right, line is well, remember James, right? This is what this was all about. Be quick to listen in this environment we're in. Be slow to speak. And more importantly, slow to become angry for the anger of man does not lead to the righteousness of God. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, we're going to we're going to look back on this whole thing. And it is my hope that the people who uh, call themselves followers of Jesus, uh, that we're able to look back and say, hey, the righteousness of God has been demonstrated yes. uh, through our lives uh, during this time. And through the way we dealt with each other. Yeah, the way that we interact with one another, the way that we uh, yeah. care for one another, listen to one another, uh, even disagree with one another. Yeah. I think there is a, a way to demonstrate the righteousness of God through the church. And I think historically, the church has always risen up during times of crisis. And I think that this uh, is our opportunity. So... Uh, love your family, love your neighbors, love your coworkers, love people on the internet, uh, even people with whom you disagree. Uh, love your leaders, love the government, pray for them. They have a lot of tough decisions on the table every single day when they uh, step into work. And so let's be praying for uh, wise decisions and let's be praying that this virus uh, will go away quickly and that people uh, will come through on the other side. And let's pray for our economy and let's pray for our loved ones who are losing work and let's Let's be people who are praying. Yep. And I think that'll be a really good thing. Yeah. So great. Guys, great to be with you guys. As next always, week. Next week, we're here. All right. And we'll talk. Okay, sounds good.